0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 329, and today we're going to be talking about a pretty exciting topic. And that topic is the exact steps to buy and sell FBA businesses or e commerce businesses for that matter, or any type of business, and actually some mistakes to avoid in this process. And I've got a special guest on, you may have heard of him from Empire Flippers. His name is Justin Cook, and I've been following Justin for over probably 6 or 7 years now he had a site called AdSense Flippers and then it turned into Empire Flippers and he'll talk about exactly why that all changed and what AdSense Flipper was and what Empire Flippers is and and all of that stuff but really I wanted to get him on because I'm interested in myself personally right now as far as can I sell and when should I sell and then also, like, is there any businesses I could be looking at to maybe shortcut the process a little bit? Maybe other people that have already started a business or maybe are good at starting the business but then don't want to scale it, or maybe someone that has built- uh maybe an affiliate site business and i can turn that into a physical products business site so there's a lot of different things i wanted to talk to him about so the best way is to invite him on the podcast right and then i can get a little bit of a deeper dive into this stuff and you know just talking to him for this short time, him and I, uh, we, we hit it right off and actually he may be attending, I'm going to say maybe because he said he might and he wants to, is attend a Steve Choo's event out in uh, Fort Lauderdale which will be in May of this year. So that'd be really cool to hang out with him and, and get his ear a little bit more but we really do a deep dive. So if you're at all interested in this, whether you have a business already or maybe you're thinking about possibly buying a small business and I'm talking, you know, there's, there's sites you can buy for 10 or 15,000 but they go all the way up to a million dollars or more and he's going to talk about that we're going to talk about like how do they figure out the selling price and what kind of multiples and all that stuff but also some some things to look out for or things to prepare your business for or set it up correctly so if you do want to exit it makes it that much easier so definitely check out the show notes you're not going to want to miss all of the details that we talk about this actually is about an hour long maybe even a touch more Uh, We also talk about business, we talk about a little bit of lessons learned through the process, he's pivoted a few times in his business, and why, with all the Google updates and all that stuff, so it's always interesting to talk to another entrepreneur, and uh, Justin is definitely going to... Put it all out there. He is a a no BS guy and he's going to just throw it all out there and uh, we'll get to really dig into this topic. So uh, guys, the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 329. If you want to look more into this entire process, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 329. Flip, and that'll take you over to Justin's site where he has some resources, so this way here, you can determine whether you're buying or selling. It'll be over there linked up for you. All right, guys, so I'm going to stop talking now so you guys can listen to this awesome conversation I had with my good friend, Mr. Justin Cook. Enjoy. Well, hey, Justin, what's up? Welcome to the show. How you
1: doing, man? Good, man. Doing well. We're happy to be on the show.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Uh, it's something that I've been interested in, and uh, I know that my audience uh, has been uh, considering at least some of them as far as buying or selling an FBA business. And even for myself, I mean, I've even thinking about buying like an Amazon's associate business, which we can dig into a little bit. Cause I think that's a huge opportunity that people aren't looking at, um, right now, which I think is huge. But, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I've been, I've been following your stuff for quite a while. Actually, I think going back, gosh, it's gotta be six, five or six years before you were empire flippers. It was, um, what was the, what was the other name? i now, off top, AdSense 10. slippers. Yeah, yeah
1: AdSense slippers. Back of the day. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. We started off creating those small AdSense sites, and we had organic traffic, and we were monetized via AdSense. It's just these little small sites that we ended up selling ourselves, and yeah, that's kind of how we got started in this whole crazy online business world.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was, uh, I was following you, and then Spencer Hawes, and uh, and and how he was doing it. Chris Guthrie, and it's funny yep. now. Uh, you know, I have you on the show, but I've had both of those guys on the show. I've got really good relationships with those guys, good friends of mine now, and it's just funny how I followed. A lot of what they've done and uh, and now here we are and and you've kind of evolved through this uh, through this journey of like adsense sites were were the thing and you're like building these little sites and then getting them to generate a cash flow and then turning around and flipping them and selling them and now you guys evolved into this whole marketplace where you can buy and sell uh, you know, businesses, which is, it's really cool. And I just think people out there don't realize, I mean, I kind of try to highlight it on my show a lot is like, you just never know where you're going to go, but as long as you're doing something, it's going to lead you to where you're going to end up. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, some of it is direction, or like you actually pick the direction, and you're making choices, and you see mm-hmm. kind of the future where you want to go. And sometimes you're just forced. Like yeah, you know, when we were creating these smaller sites that we were uh, building, that was going well. We probably would have never become a marketplace or a brokerage until our process broke. So our mm-hmm. process for creating these sites and being profitable was like cut in half right so we're like oh we're not nearly as profitable anymore what are we going to do and we, we knew we had people that want to sell their businesses on our platform but we kind of put it off because we were like look we're selling our own websites mm-hmm. like those that's super profitable for us like why would i want to cut my profits by having someone else and i get a small piece of that no way but then when we ran into problems we we're like oh maybe we'll revisit that <laughs> and so we started letting people list and sell their businesses and it really took off for us like going from you know, $200,000 in sales, I think in 2012 to like just under 10 million in 2016.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, that is absolutely crazy. Now. Okay. Let me ask you that though, before we dig into this whole topic of buying and selling, uh, you know, specifically we're going to talk about FBA businesses, but I want to talk about just any business in general, but like, okay, you said your, your process broke. Was it, was it the Google update that broke things because it wasn't the same as it was before your is, was that the process or was it your internal process? Like what broke there that made you say we should probably, you know, pivot it here a little bit
1: yeah so we'd built a machine right like a site creation machine mm-hmm. of people stamping out these many websites and so you know it was a very specific process for doing that and we'd survived some other google updates so it wasn't a problem and then the emd update and that's what they're calling it at the time i don't know what they call it now years later but the emd update came out and devastated us that was the one that actually hit us so we had survived like panda i think we'd survived Penguin. But EMD was painful, so that was the one that hit us, and we were still creating some sites, and it still was profitable. But like, like it was the effectively, we'd create a site for like fifty dollars in cost, mm-hmm. and we'd sell it a year later for two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. right? So we'd four X our investment, right, right? And it got down to like we were. You know, um, creating the site for like $50 in costs, $50, $60, and then sell it a year later for $80 on mm. average, right? Okay. So like, um, which is just a big hit. Still profitable, but not much. Mm-hmm. And the volume we'd have to do just didn't make a lot of sense. So we looked at fixing the process, which is, I mean, obviously a great thing to do if we could fix it and get it back to invest 50 or invest 100 or invest 1,000 mm-hmm. and get 5,000 out of it. That's like, great, right? Everything's good again. Um, so, we're working on that concurrently with allowing other people to sell their sites on our platform. We started off doing small sites. We were allowing them to you know, to sell four-figure, four five-figure websites and online businesses while we were working on our process in the back end. And, and when that started to really take off, we said, well, we're struggling with kind of creating a new process. But there's all kinds of people out there with all kinds of interesting websites and online businesses. And I think we'll never... You know, maybe we're running into some kind of supply side problem, but we—I don't think we will. I think the market's big enough and growing enough to where, if we're constantly talking about, you know, how to sell your business and the process for it, we're going to get enough people that we're going to be able to keep this rolling.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I always like to highlight that, though, because it's like you guys were, again, doing something, it was working, but you were also using that channel, that Google channel, right? I mean, I'm sure that, you know, you were still getting some search ranking from other search engines, but Google was the main driver. And the EMD that you're talking about is uh, the exact match domain. Um, yeah. And that was a big one. You know, like you'd go out and you'd find a domain that was exactly for that thing. You know, stainless steel garlic press.com, Like that was it. And then you were selling those and you built content around those. And it was a great thing and it did work, like you said, but they did this big update, and then all of a sudden people's businesses like literally lost their rankings overnight. And you know what's interesting? Like we, we
1: we kind of because we were selling our own sites before, like we and we didn't realize it at the time, I think we came together, but mm-hmm. we solved kind of the marketplace problem. You have like the if you have a double sided marketplace today, like we need customers both on the sell side, people sure. to sell their businesses with us, and we need customers on the buy side. And and it's a problem. It's you know a problem for like companies like Airbnb, companies like Fiverr, companies mm-hmm. that have you know two-sided marketplaces. And and we'd already solved that because we were selling our own sites and we built up this kind of buying audience, a, a group of people that were interested in buying uh, websites and online businesses. And so that's kind of one of the advantages we had in starting the marketplace. Which looking back was interesting. I think it'd be really hard to say, okay, I want to be a, a brokerage or I want to be a marketplace. Come sell your businesses with me, and you don't have any buyers. That's that's one of the challenges. Yeah. And we kind of lucked into that. I, you know, I, we were we were testing things and we we're doing things, and that's kind of like how we got got past that problem, which is a legitimate one.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, I I think you said you you created your own marketplace in a sense because you were building the product and then you were selling the product. So now you had these people that were still buyers, um, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, there's people now that want to get on my platform, so I could actually let people get on my platform and just take a cut of that. So I think that's you know, you guys definitely kind of graduated towards that. So it seemed like it was, it seems like it would be easier for you guys because you were already doing it, but in the same breath, you still had to do the work um, to do that. And you had to pivot. I mean, that that was a pivot for you guys. And I actually seen the pivot and um, and I was totally on board with it. I'm like, you know, that's because, you know, again, like when, whenever we're, we're relying on that one platform, it's risky. I mean, just like Amazon, yeah. I mean, like we're building an, uh, an Amazon business. It's risky if all your eggs are in that basket. If something yep. happens, yep. you get a hit. I mean, look at the, the recent review update. Everyone was just like a Google update. It was like, oh my gosh, this, you know, the sky's falling. What are we going to do? We might as well sell our businesses now and get out, or we might as well not even start a business. And that's why people ask me like, is the marketplace saturated in in Amazon businesses? And the answer is kind of if you're selling like the generic stuff that everyone's trying to sell, but the same breath, there's a lot of people leaving the marketplace because they're scared of these updates that could pop, that could possibly Uh happen.
1: Well, Scott, here, here's, here's the other side of that, man. So with that update, right, scares yeah. a lot of people. Oh, Everyone's yeah. like, oh, my God, that's really freaky. Think about this, though. It, it creates a barrier for new people getting started. Totally. Now, new people can still get started, and they can do that. But if, it, if there's a barrier now between those that are already up and running and having success with FBA and people that haven't started yet, that's good if you already have a business that's up and running, mm-hmm. right? That barrier helps you and, in fact, makes your business more valuable, if that's a harder barrier to cross for new fba you know sellers new fba entrepreneurs to get into sure. that's great for the ones that are already around so I I think that's going to be a sign uh, that FBA businesses right now are undervalued, I and mean, we'll talk about that a bit more. I'm yeah, sure.
0: absolutely, and I, I agree. Whenever there's a barrier, it's like when there's more work for someone to do, you know, or or it's going to be harder because you have to do more to get to that spot. There's yes. all, to me that's always an opportunity, right? And yep. and even if you're not like let's say someone's not even started their business yet, I still think it's a better it's a better opportunity if you want to play by the rules because it's going to be a longer game. But in the same breath, other people aren't going to want to put in. That time. Like everyone, when they launch their their new business or the new products, they've all been let's you know, let's give away a ton of units in the beginning so we can spike the algorithm and then we can go ahead and you know get some reviews and all that stuff. That's changed. You can still kind of do some of it, but it's differently now. It's you got you can't do it as easily as you could before. Um, so it makes it harder to get into the game in a sense, but I still think that picking the right products and all that stuff in the market, it's a whole nother you know conversation, which we talk about a lot. But like you said. You know, it is going to make people say it's too much work. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to go try to find the next shiny object.
1: Scott, you know? do, you ever, do you ever have this? I'm sure you do from, from your audience. Uh, I get this question. I'm not exactly sure how to answer it. I have my thoughts, but I'd be yeah. interested to hear yours. So, uh, someone comes to you and say, "Look, I'm doing. You know, 95 of my business is via Amazon FBA, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. have a website. I'm getting a little bit of traffic. I'm selling a little bit. It seems like every hour of work I put into FBA, I'm getting back." you know, $500 mm-hmm. every hour of work I put into my e-commerce business, I'm getting back 30 cents. Yeah. Right. And so like, I, I clearly they understand the value of like diversification and making sure that they're getting traffic that's offsite, outside of FBA and the value of an email list and all these things, which are, we know are super important and improve the value of your business. Sure. But if I can get a lot more profit out of spending time building the FBA, it's like, you know, it's just hard, it's a hard sell to get me to worry about that email list when I could put my hours in and double my FBA business, where I may only add fifteen percent on the e-commerce side. Do you know what I mean? I
0: a hundred percent under understand exactly where you're coming from, and it's it's funny. I've got one of my students who's doing about two hundred fifty thousand a month, and he actually told me he hasn't started his. Well, I think he might have started his email list, but he calls it the Amazon Crack. It's like yeah. you get on it, and it's like it's just so good. I add 10%,
1: you, I add 10% on FBA and that's going a blow, mm. you know, my, my e-commerce traffic yep. out of the water, my yep. e-commerce sales out of the water.
0: I know, I know the problem though. And this is the thing that I think of is okay. And I, and r- I recently had a guest on that. This happened to doing like 60 K a month, you know, revenue, you know, trucking along doing great. And he had two, two claims that he had a product that was violating another, uh, another product's patent. And all of a sudden, they removed his listing overnight. His sales went to nothing. And now he's out of business, in a sense, until they get this fixed. So oh, that was a big problem, right? So that's why I would say, and, and it is a, it's a longer play. It's, a, it's definitely a longer play. But I think then spreading out that product line, if you've done it properly, you can go out to Facebook and drive that traffic to your own website as long as, like, if you have three products, I believe you can build a million-dollar a business on just three products. Because you're going to lead people through your your sales cycle, and hopefully you have something that could be replenishable. That would be even better. Um, but you know, I don't think that you have to stay on there. But it, like, it's like you said, it's almost too good. Uh, and, and it's so easy in a sense, and i want to say easy, but it's easier than to go out and start your own e-commerce channel. But I think that's where coming down to knowing how to find your audience and your traffic and then how to bring them through your own sales, uh, funnel in in a sense to where now you can have them leading through, or you can actually, you know, drive them over to Amazon, spike your sales, get your rankings. But if God forbid something happens, you just replace that buying place over to your own place. Um,
1: You know, yeah, there's some interesting things people are doing in combination with the Amazon affiliates program. So they are buying sites that have traffic that's in their niche and then redirecting that traffic to their, their uh, uh, listing page on, on Amazon. So th- there's some like, interesting kind of like, combos you can do, where, look, that Amazon affiliate site was making X amount of money anyway. Now you're just improving your margins by directing it toward products that you're actually selling.
0: Yeah, and actually, um, that's something that I'm interested in. Like I'm interested in like, taking like, a business that's not selling on FBA right now, and, yeah. th- and it's an associate's business or even just uh, maybe even on their own e-commerce site, but they're not selling on Amazon yet. And then I can go ahead and take that business and then bring it on Amazon like that to me is a great way because we've already got maybe maybe 50 percent of the, tr- the, the income is going to be coming from that own site. And then, yes, Amazon's going to trump it maybe, but that's OK. Um, but yeah. at least you've got a good, solid base of external stuff already happening.
1: Like, well, hopefully you're going to bump your sales across the yep, board, right? Yep. And you're going to um, hopefully bump your margin if that's possible too. But even if you don't, if you just improve profit, yep. I mean, that's going to improve on the value of your business. Because the value of a business is based on a multiple, a multiple mm. of earnings, right? So the more earnings you have, the more your business is worth. But aside from that, um, it's also going to improve the multiple. Because if you have a business that has sales via FBA, sales via e-commerce, um, you know, it's like a a, a multi throng approach uh, mm-hmm. to your business. Mm-hmm. It's going to get a higher multiple. It's going to command a higher multiple because buyers look at that and they say, well, it's more stable, it's less risky, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And that's 100% where I am. I'm, I've already looked at some sites um, that you guys have in your marketplace and you know they, they looked good until I dug into them and they just were a little too risky for me because I want more than just w- one leg that I'm standing on to start. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I want yep. that. And w- I want to talk about that too in, in a little bit, but let's, let's first start off kind of like I know people are going to be asking the question really like, okay, like I've got my FBA business and it's doing some money, but like, I'm not sure if it's even sellable. Like, I mean, like, so I want to kind of go through that a little bit and kind of, you know, let people know like, okay, what makes a good business to sell to start? Like what's the main like criteria that I should think to myself? If not, don't even like contact you like one of those.
1: Yeah. So, so buyers are looking at online businesses as assets, right? So cash flowing assets is what they're really looking for. Could this business be set up as a cash-flow asset? Let's say I already have multiple FBA businesses, different product lines or whatever. Can I take these particular products through this business, bolt that into my current operation, my current team and everything, and either expand it through, uh, you know, being parallel niches where I can have them sell to each other. Um, will it just be an additional nice add on, um, is there you know, something in that niche that I want to expand? There's all kinds of reasons that people buy. But really, they're looking for cash-flowing assets. Now, I know with FBA in particular, you know, there's probably a lot of your listeners right now they are going, oh, my God, well, I have high revenue. My cash flows suck because I'm putting all the money back in the yeah, product. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do take that into account. So, And buyers take that into account, too. So if you're going through a heavy growth phase, number one, if it's heavy growth, you may not be in a position to sell. And I don't mean that you can't sell it. I mean that you may not, maybe you shouldn't sell it because Mm -hmm. you're in such a high growth phase that you're not going to get what you're going to be worth in six months. You should hold on. But let's just say that that's not the case, but you have been growing a bit and you've been dumping money back in inventory. We look at that. So, when we're looking at your inventory costs, we actually do that on a accrual basis. So we'll look at your total, uh, we, we don't look like if you have one month where you buy a bunch of inventory, we're not looking at cash flow. Uh, we're not looking at a cash basis accounting. We're looking at accrual accrual based accounting for costs. Okay. But we do cash based accounting on uh, profit, on revenue and profit. So we'll look at units sold. We'll get a per unit cost, landed uh, cost. And then look at how many units you sold. And your costs will be broken down on a per unit basis where your cash flow is on a cash flow, you know, uh basis. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it totally does. I mean, you're not looking at it like you said like, you know, in one month I went ahead and I spent, you know, 20,000 on inventory, but that that inventory is going to last me over, you know, yes. 3 months or whatever. That's you're going to yep. spread that rate right out throughout and you're just going to look at total. Uh w- would you take like let's just say uh someone's been running for 12 months. Would you just take like almost like a profit loss in a sense to where you're going to take like all the units sold you know, cost of goods per unit sold. Um, yep. You know, all your FBA fees are in there. All your you know, pay per click costs are in there. Um, any other expenses to the business, and then you're basically going to take out the net, and then you're going to divide that amongst those 12 months. Is that how you would do that?
1: That's exactly right. In fact, it's it's generally not always. Uh, we'll use QuickBooks, we zero, whatever. But a lot of times, people have a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So we have a spreadsheet that they fill out. It's a pr- uh, profit and loss over the last 12 months, and they fill it all out. The only thing is uh, when it comes to cost of goods. They'll, instead of like putting their, I bought in January and didn't buy it re-up until May. We don't do that. We'll just have them put the number of units and then the total, you know, they've already, we already figured out the, uh, you know, cost of goods per unit. And so they'll just put the cost there per month. And so that's how it's reported. But everything else is the same. Any paid traffic, anything else you did, here, here's where it goes. Anything you paid yourself. Um, and then here's your net profit at the end of the month. We actually count uh, money you pay yourself. That doesn't count against you in terms of what the valuation is. So I, I should mention this. I should back up for a second and tell you the, the formula for valuation. So we look at 12 months. Ideally, we're going to look at 12 months history. We just look at what your average net profit was over the last 12 months. And net profit does include uh, any salary you're paying yourself. Uh, we don't take into account, maybe you spent some money on this trip to Tahiti or whatever. Right. Um, that's not going to be included in actual costs. Uh, so we're going to take that as well. And we're going to look at your average monthly net profit, right? So based on that number, we're going to come up with a multiple. Now, multiple can be anywhere from, let's say, 18 times your monthly net profit up to 30 or more times your monthly net profit. Now, that's a big swing. If it's $10,000 a month on the low end, that means your business is worth $180,000. On the high end, it's $300,000. And there's a lot of things that go into that, including, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit, but just know that there's a multiple and that multiple is applied to your net monthly profit uh, averaged out over 12 months.
0: Okay, so you use the you use the 12-month example. Is that really like where you want to see people coming to you rather than six months or eight months? Like how new of a business can you, can you actually sell um, or yeah, that we, you guys like to sell?
1: Yeah, so we'll do less than that. Um, we'll do less than that in situations where, it's gone down significantly. So let's say that your business 12 months ago was doing much more business than it is today. Mm-hmm. Well, then a 12 month average doesn't make a lot of sense, right? A buyer's gonna be like, well, I don't care what you're doing a year ago. What are you doing right. recently? So, right, so we right. might do like a six month average. Same thing if the business has been growing like crazy. So sometimes we'll do a six month average based on that. Uh, we try not to do six month averages if it's like super seasonal. So let's say the last six months has included spring and summer. And, uh, and those are hot months for your niche or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. We can't just base the, the value of the business on. like We want a whole cycle, so we'd really rather do 12 months. So we can do six months. If the business is new enough, we can do uh, six months. We need at least six months of uh, earnings history, though. So we're going to base it on six months. So the business can be seven months old, but we're going to be basing it on the last six months, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. And let me ask you this. does that Does that affect the multiple?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah so you you you're going to be much on the lower end of the multiple depending on how new the business is for a lot of reasons right mm-hmm. it's much more risky for a buyer uh, you're in a new, new, somewhat unproven niche. It's just, it's a little new. It's a little early. Now, sometimes people have reasons to sell, or they want to take some chips off the table, or they're nervous themselves, whereas the buyer is not as nervous as they are. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of reasons that people sell. Um, but yeah, the, the earlier a business is, the lower the multiple. Generally, as you get a year, two year, three years old with an FBA business, uh, the multiples are going to go up. We've actually. Across the board, we just did a post on this recently where we looked at a bunch of data from the sales we did last year. We did like 13 FBA sales, uh, ranging from 9000 to to 500000 And uh, we noticed that the multiple for FBA business is much lower. So it, the average list price was around 23x for your average FBA okay. business for okay. sale. And the average sale price was like just just around 21, just under 21 times net monthly profit. So that's lower than our, like we're normally in the range with most businesses at like 26 to 28 uh, X. And so I think the reasoning for that is FBA businesses are still rel- relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of buyers are still a little nervous about, Buying a business that's on the Amazon platform only, right? So things like that. Yeah. Um. And and lack of diversification. I mean, a lot of the FBA businesses uh, we've sold, you know, didn't have as much diversification, which is one of the reasons we're saying, look, you know, if you can diversify your traffic channels, your sales channels, uh, your business is going to be worth more. Yeah. A really good example was sold. Um, the biggest one we sold last year, five hundred thousand dollars sale, is a twenty-two x multiple. Uh, it was a year old uh, to only 12 months old. It uh, was doing just about $23,000 a month in profit. Uh, And we used a five-month average. It only sold one product. It had one traffic channel. Um, And uh, there were five new products ready to launch, but hadn't been launched yet. So it was in the beauty product space. It got a multiple of 22X. Now pair that with, and this is a business we have listed right now, but is in the process of Closing, hopefully. <laughs> there's a there's <laughs> okay. one the outdoor sports niche. Uh, it's a 1.8 million dollar sales price, a little over fifty thousand dollars in monthly profit, close to sixty. Now, it's a little over two years old. Twelve month average we pulled. It has twenty different products, has three different traffic channels, and uh, it's going for 30x. In outdoor sports. It's a 1.8 million dollar sales price. So a 30x multiple. Uh, if we have applied the 22x multiple to that same business. That means it would be selling for uh, 1.2, 1.32 million as opposed to 1.8. Mm. So, I mean, that's a $500,000 difference in your pocket, yeah. right? And that's by having, you know, uh, 20 products instead of one. It's by having three traffic channels instead of one. It's by having, uh, being two years old instead of, you know, one year old. Um, so that's just multiple, right? Everything yeah, else being yeah. the same. It's a $500,000 difference.
0: Yeah, that's, it's huge. And I mean, even you saying like, you, you know, you sold a business for 500,000 and they only had one product and one channel in 12 months. Like, or like, I'm nervous just thinking about that because I'm like, I mean, I, I know that I could, I could probably take that business and scale it. And yes, they had products in the queue, but they haven't been launched yet. They haven't been proven, they yeah. haven't been validated, yeah. they haven't been through that whole cycle. Um, and then yeah. the other one, much, much more expensive, but uh it still seems like more of a sure bet.
1: Um Makes in a sense. sense, right? You're like, okay, well, yep. I've got, you know, that it's it's selling in Europe, it's selling in the US. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit better. No. But the, but think about this too, like you you could also say, and I think the the aggressive buyers for the five hundred thousand dollar business are gonna say, it's not in Europe. It mm-hmm. doesn't have this, it, mm-hmm. it hasn't proven itself here. I see opportunity here, like it should be you know, a $1.8 million business, not $500,000 business. In fact, it's just now big enough to where I I, I care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I don't get out of bed for a $100,000 deal. A $500,000 deal, it's making enough money to where it starts to interest me. And, you know, we have people that own multiple businesses. I, I think one of our customers in particular has hundreds of businesses, wow. online businesses, and they have, you know, dozens of people on staff that Coordinate these businesses and run these businesses, and so I mean there are like groups of investors um, that have teams of people that run the businesses after the fact. So we have like kind of your your professional portfolio buyers, kind of, and they have these like portfolios of businesses. We also have people that have plenty of experience in the space, so they're like, like experienced FBA people that are like, look, I've cash flowed quite a bit from my businesses now. I'm looking for. Um, FBA businesses that might have a bigger moat, mm-hmm. so things like maybe the product is more expensive, right? It's outside the range of what most people would get into. Those are the businesses I want to buy because they have kind of built built-in moats or barriers that I think will be valuable later later on.
0: Yeah, no, that makes that makes a hundred percent sense. Now the um the buyers for like a $1.8 million So like, are you finding that that's like, like you said, is that like a a group of investors in a sense? Or, uh, you know, like what kind of clientele is that for you? Um, I would think it'd be partnerships of some kind where they go in on a third or a fourth or who knows, but like, how, how does that kind of all play
1: out when other people are coming in on that? Yeah. Yeah, that one in particular is a small group of buyers. Okay. So there's a small group of investors match with operators that will buy that business uh, or looking to buy that business. We're getting close to them buying mm-hmm, that business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's uh that's where they're at. We've seen those for the larger deals, and honestly, this would be the largest deal we've done to date. Wow. So, uh, I'd say most of our deals right now are like in the six figure range. We do a lot of like you know hundred to $700,000 deals. Mm-hmm. And those are often done in like either sometimes solo um, and they'll get like seller financing uh, from the seller um, or they'll partner. There's like two or three partners where one operates the business and then the others are more passive, maybe in an advisory role. So we mm-hmm. see that a lot mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. deals. So they're just kind of pooling their money or or expertise. They're either pooling expertise or some of them just don't have expertise. They've, they've got the cash. Right, so. right, right. Other ones putting in the cash. There's lots of interesting deal structures being done that way, and I mean that requires at this point it requires you to have those connections, those potential investors. Uh, We've been thinking a lot about this, though, Scott. Like, there's a market for that, and we're I'm sure we're going to tackle it at some point where we're matching kind of the investors with the operators. Mm. So, like, if we have people that have plenty of FBA experience, how do we match them with investors that are looking to do that? So, we actually we have we're testing through one right now with an FBA fund to see um, see if there's any value there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a huge market.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the point is too. like, there's people at different stages and, you know, like, you know, you're throwing out these big numbers and, but I've went on, on the marketplace and there's sites there you can buy for $30,000. You've got some that you can buy for $70,000 FBA businesses, but they're a yep. lot lower. Um, you know, like, so you might have an FBA business that's doing a, a net, you know, profit at the end of the month at $3,000 you know what yep. I mean? And then you're going to do the multiple on that three. Um, but again, you're buying a business that, you know, to me it's, it's got cash flow, but it's nothing, you know, you know, huge. But if someone knows about this business model, they can see where they can, again, like you said, scale that and then maybe build it into something that they could sell for 500 or 1.8 million eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? We haven't had a lot, a lot of this with, uh, FBA businesses. We're really new. I mean, we got our, our first FBA business listed on our platform in, like, December 2015, right? So, like, we we didn't have any listings uh, before that. And so, we really started selling them. And one of the reasons for that, too, Scott, is, like, we lag the market. So, like, we're kind of, like, the end life cycle for an entrepreneur's business, right? So, they're looking to exit it. Like, it's not, like, we're not, like, on the, you know, keyword or niche finder tools or anything. We're not on the very front bleeding edge. We're on the back end of that. Right. So, by the time they get to us, like, they've been out a little while. So the FBA businesses are just starting to roll around. But we found, like, you know, Amazon Associates program or, or AdSense, like, we would actually list and sell these businesses multiple times. I think three is probably the most. Okay. But, like, we would list it, sell it, and then six months later, someone would come back and sell it again with us. And then a year later, a year and a half later, someone would come back and sell it again with us. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder if we'll see that with these FBA businesses, or will they be rolled into other businesses to be mm. sold, like, larger that that's one of the interesting things too with fba is that and and not just fba any business overall the bigger the business gets the larger the multiple is mm. so you might have a lower multiple in the like low six like let's say 100 thousand dollar hundred thousand dollar fba business have a lower multiple that same exact business if it were doing you know a double let's say triple uh, the profit, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being a $600,000 business, it might be a seven, $800,000 business because of the multiple going up. So just larger businesses have larger multiples. Now, and this is outside of our scope, but if you get into like the eight figure businesses, I mean, they're not selling on like, you know, a 20 or 30 or 35X. They're selling at like 4X annual, 5X oh, wow, wow. annual. Okay. So, you know, you're talking much even larger multiples because because then you're and this may be beyond the scope here, but but then you're getting into like um, capital markets, right? Then mm-hmm. you're getting into like private equity, that you know they're buying you know fifteen million dollar businesses and rolling those up, right? Wow. So wow. they, they yeah. they're they're leverage. I mean, they, there's plenty of money in that space. Whereas like in our space, there's not. There's not as many financing options for. Uh, even, you know, the seven-figure deals, uh, but particularly like the six-figure deals. So you have to get pretty creative if you're looking to finance like a, 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 high, let's say a high five and low six-figure Uh, business, you have to get pretty creative.
0: Mm, Yeah. I was going to say, you're not going to walk into the bank and go, Hey, I want to, I want to borrow money to buy this FBA business. And it's not going to really work out. Like you said, you're going to have to either get investors or you're going to have to have some other way, some creative way to, to get some financing going. Or, uh, you know, like you said, is it uncommon for the seller to hold a portion of that and charge an interest on that money?
1: Uh, They do sometimes, sometimes they'll finance it with no interest. So as a buyer, (laughs) As a buyer, wow. like that's always your first mm. negotiating position. Like, why not see if they will um, finance the deal? Let's say they'll do. I'll pay. Let's say a hundred thousand dollars FBA business. Yeah, yeah. I'll put seventy thousand. Let's. I want to put fifty thousand up front. I'll put up another twenty thousand dollars or twenty percent after thirty days of trading. Right. So just make sure I get up to speed. And we're going to lay out. You're going to be on the phone this many times with me just to, to make me feel sure, safe sure. as a buyer. And then the other thirty percent will be financed over twelve months. Oh, nice. right? Just a okay. straight straight finance. 0% interest, right? Okay. So, it's a great ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, it'll be tied to like uh, gross revenue. So, based on the revenue of the business, uh, it'll be 30000 based on where it's at today, but it could go up or down. So, the seller could get more or less, depending on how successful the business is. Okay. That's another way it's done. Um, sometimes, it's based on hitting certain like, goal posts. So, if it passes this level, then I get... A piece of it. If it passes this level, then I get a piece of it. Um, sometimes the seller will keep some equity in the in the business and sometimes the buyer wants that. There's a good reason for that. Let's say the seller thinks they're like, look, I'm selling now, but I shouldn't. I'd rather wait twelve months, but I need the cash for my other business. Mm-hmm. Like I need two hundred thousand dollars to invest in this other project that's massive, and I just need to do it. So I'm selling you my business, but I know there's promise in this. So if I can keep ten, twenty percent equity. Um, and you pay a little less for the the deal. I'll stay on an advisor. You can get on the phone with me when you want. Um, but I know this is growable. This is how I would do it, and I'll get on the phone once a month with you to walk you through it. Yeah, I was going right? to ask you that if so, there was
0: ever if there was any anyone that was saying like I'm going to sell you this for this, but I'm still going to have ten percent equity. You know, whether yep. it's forever or whether it's for a certain period of time, and then you're done. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah the
1: seller—if the seller sees like a ton of promise in it, or the buyer sees a real interest in keeping the seller around—it mm-hmm. can happen. It's not for generally not for a major piece of the business because, sure. like, it's pretty illiquid. Mm-hmm. So getting out of that position is just really, unless you sell the business, it's super challenging. Like who else is going to buy in and what are your rights to sell your position? And Like it's, it's messy. So it's just kind of like, you know, you got to wait for them to sell again. So if they're kind of on board with that and that's their plan, then it kind of might make sense.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this too. Now, because there is inventory involved here. Um, let's say that we're sitting on, you know, I don't know, 15 or $20,000 of inventory in there. Um, and it's already been you know, paid for, um, how does that go into yeah. the equation?
1: Yeah. So for the valuation with businesses with inventory, FBA businesses being one of them, we add on the wholesale value of inventory costs. So if you've got, let's say it's a $400,000 business and you've got $60,000 worth of inventory, uh, at wholesale cost, then we'll add that to the final valuation. So oh, it will okay. be $460,000 business. Now, is that a fair way to do it? It's fair enough. Um, but it's interesting, right? Like one of the things that we won't add on are uh, dead inventory. So if you stocked up on whatever product and that that's just not moving anymore, no one wants to buy that stuff. Your right, right. elves or whatever, right. like that's not going to be included. That was like your loss. Why is the buyer taking on your kind of crappy deal? Um, so that's not a part of it. Also, if you've like super stocked up and you've got twelve months of inventory or something. Mm-hmm like that's not ideal and so you may be you know you may have too much inventory now one way that that other people do it or they they think about inventory Is They'll look at your average inventory levels over the last 12 or 18 months and say, okay, I think this much inventory is included. This is what your average inventory is. This is what is needed to sell the business. So I'll pay you for any inventory above or I want it discounted for any inventory you have below that level at the time of purchase. That's one way of doing it. And normally when you do it that way, uh, the seller will want to bump their multiple so say oh, I, want a, I want a slightly higher multiple if you're going to do that. Um, so it's just playing with the numbers and and when we do these valuation formulas and we talk about you know uh, your average net monthly profit times a multiple and how to determine that multiple, the only reason we do any of that is just so the buyer and seller are looking at the same equation. Okay. Right? Because sometimes you have a seller and th- th- this stuff gets emotional, Scott. Right? So <laughs> like you're selling your business, you're like, yeah, dude, I put blood, sweat, yeah. and tears your in this baby. business. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not selling this for less than a million. Right. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not getting less than a seven-figure exit on this deal. And so we, as the brokers, have to say, look, man, you know, it's worth 750. Like it just mm. is. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like it sucks, but that's what people are gonna are willing to pay. So we have to be the bearer of bad news, but. The reason we use these formulas is just so that everyone's on the same page in terms of how they're coming to the conclusion, how they're coming to the valuation, and so there's negotiation all over the place. There are lots of opportunities to up this lever or down this lever, right? But if you're working on the same equation, it just makes a lot more sense. So it takes some of the some of the emotional aspects out of it. I think,
0: yeah, not totally. all. But, no, yeah. no. But it, it makes sense because at least it, you know where the numbers are coming from. I think that's yep. the key, right? It's like, all right, you came up with this number, but how? Like, where did that's that right. come from? And you're like, well, this, this, and this, and this value. I didn't just pull it out of the sky. Exactly. Like this, yeah, yeah no, no. I, I, think that's, I think that's huge. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the other question I know that I'm going to receive, and I have this question myself, I kind of know, but I want you to kind of go through it a little bit, is um, how do you transfer an FBA business?
1: Yeah, so um, we have. There are two different ways we do that. Like, if you uh, just transfer the entire account over okay. to the new buyer, that's the easiest way to do it. But a lot of times, that's just not doable. They've got other products, they've got other things in there. So uh, there's a unique way to do it. Our team does it, but basically, they will. Um, create another, I'm going to screw this up, Scott. I'm sure. You, know, it, I'm you know what
0: though? It, you don't have to give us the exact, but I mean, so it's doable to basically it's take, take like, like, like you said, like, let's say that I started this business. I didn't know it was going to blossom into what it has. And I've launched, you know, three other businesses under that same seller's account, like, cause I have one yes. main brand, but I have these three sub
1: brands underneath my main brand, but now I want to section that off. Yep. Yeah. Can so off. you can so section that off. Okay. They create the, the same, uh, yeah, they'll create the exact same, uh, page and then it'll convert over. They'll move the inventory The other person still adding inventory. There's a way to do it. And we've done it for that. It's better and easier and more straightforward to just include the account. But when that's not possible, we have a way to sell off pieces of the business as well.
0: Okay. So if we, if we did have it though, where we could sell the entire account, then we would just basically just transfer my, my account in my name to that other person's name and their EIN that, and all that stuff. That's the
1: easier, more straightforward way to do it. And, yep.
0: and is that something that you go through Amazon to kind of help with that process? Like is it is it something that that actually has to go through them, or is that something that you just do between the two people or the so two something you do
1: between the two parties? We checked with Amazon to make sure that selling an FBA business was legal, mm-hmm. uh, and it is. So okay, it is okay. something. It, it wasn't, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it is legal. It, it's allowed. You're allowed to sell a business. You're allowed to sell an online business and. And, uh, yeah, it, it works just fine. So you don't have to go through Amazon. It's something that we uh, will help you kind of walk you through the process. So with an FBA business or any business you buy from us, a part of what we offer is a migration process where we will help transfer the business from the uh, seller to the buyer, make sure everything's in place and, and taken care of. That's our, our team helps out with that.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cause that would be something that I'm sure that a lot of people would be thinking like, okay, how do I actually get this thing to get moved over now? Do you have also like a non-compete signed or anything like that? Because now they know that this stuff what's to stop them from just going out and launching a brand new business with the same type of product yeah. and, and all that. So,
1: un- yeah. So unlike, um, like for, for our smaller, let's say Amazon Associates sites or mm-hmm. whatever. Like as soon as you, we, we require a deposit from anyone that wants like the details about the the business. Sure. So they have to put a deposit amount on their their credit card or or they have to wire some money. And once we have that, then we'll share the URL and we'll share you know the information about the business. We're actually more restrictive with FBA businesses. So just paying the deposit does not give you the exact niche and all the details. You actually have to get on a call uh, with one of our our team. And the seller themselves, so they're going to kind of walk through that with a potential buyer on the phone to see if there's a good fit, to verify the person, and 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 get more information about them. Um, in terms of like uh, like non competes and stuff, that is sometimes included. It's not generally on the five figure deals, okay. because you know a lot of times with let's say a forty fifty thousand dollar purchase, it's like. You know, I mean, you have to have some agreement in terms of. You know, and first off, we will do it. So <laughs> yes, we can do a contract. We can do a non-compete to so the 40 dollars our business. But a lot of times, it's like, is it going to be worth the enforcement? Yeah. Like yeah, if you're yeah. not actually willing to enforce it uh, with this Australian that's living in Hong Kong and the American right. living in wherever, like who? What jurisdiction is it? And right. like who are you going to go after and how? And it's probably just not realistic. You, you will do it. You can sign the contract, but like you know. It's not terribly enforceable. Now, for the larger deals, $500,000 deal, $700,000 deal, yes, that generally includes contracts. Non-compete is part of the agreement. Non-disclosure can be part of the uh, the deal. Actually, can be negotiated. Um, so, someone's like, look, I only want two years, not three years. And so, that can be part of the negotiation. But yeah, contracts are included for the larger deals. It just depends on whether or not it's it's, it would be enforceable or even worth enforcing. Yeah, I get it.
0: I get it. Um, the other thing is, uh, is there lawyers involved in this or is this something that's just done internally within your staff? Like how does that work?
1: So we have a team of lawyers that we work with and we've been working with more and more over the last couple of years as we do more and more deals. Mm -hmm. So uh, in terms of contracts, they'll generally do the contracts. Um, now that's our representation Mm -hmm. and they're great if, for smaller deals, for for uh, you know, looking at both sides of the deal because they're protecting us, but they also want to protect both our buyers and our sellers. They want to make yeah. it good for everybody. But when it comes to legal representation, you should probably always have your own. The only thing is, you know, if you're going to spend ten thousand lawyer fees on a thirty thousand right, dollar business, right. that's not such a good deal. Now, ten thousand lawyer fees on a six hundred thousand dollar business, yeah. eh, probably worth it. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah you just need to weigh that. But, um, yeah, you should probably, you know, I mean, you should always have your own representation if, if that's a, a viable thing for you. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to look out for your interests. One thing that about lawyers is they can be deal killers. So mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's a lawyer, you're just kind of like hiring off the cuff. Sometimes like it's easier for them to just kind of like shoot down deals than to mm-hmm. actually, cause they, they don't want to, they don't want to put you at risk, right? And they don't know you very well. They don't know what you're looking to do. So it's easier for them to just kind of keep throwing up barriers. Whereas if it's a lawyer that you worked with regularly or you've done other deals with before, like they kind of know your threshold and know what you're looking for. So that's that sounds strange, but like it's good to have and I'm not a lawyer fan, but getting good lawyers that know how you work and know what you're looking <laughs> right, for is, right. is really helpful. No, it and is. You probably got this yourself, Scott, oh, I'm guessing. A- a- right?
0: Absolutely. And it's like, if you, if you have, uh, if you have a, a lawyer that understands what you're doing, right. I think that's the, the key because a lot of them are just going to come. If you're just going to hire a random lawyer, they don't understand maybe the online business space. Um, and then from there, but I mean, it's, again, it's to me, it's risk, right? It's like, you know, if you go and you invest in stock with your financial advisor, I mean, he's going to tell you there's a level of risk for this fund. There's a level of risk for this fund. Like it's, there's a risk involved. And I think you just need to know what your weaknesses and your strengths are and seeing if you're going to be able to make this thing grow. Because if you're just buying a business, I mean, do you think people are buying a business strictly just to keep it maintained at where it's at? Or do you mostly see people wanting to at least grow it a little bit?
1: I don't know, Scott, every time I, I think I know kind of like why people are buying businesses <laughs> right, okay. and they, sh- they shock me. I'm like, I look at this one business that we sold and I can, I can mention the name because it was a uh, publicly, we, we mentioned it publicly and it was, it was fine. This is rave It was a, a supplement for, like, post-rave hangovers, basically like an ecstasy cure pill.
0: Okay. And, I, you
1: know, I thought this business was going to be, like, you'd have to be all up in the rave forums and, like, talking to the crazy party kids, right? And I was like, I don't know, man. It seems like a lot of work. And the previous seller had done some of that. And the buyer bought the business. And I did a follow-up uh, podcast interview with him like 10 months later. And I was like, oh, man, do you have to do all that? He's like, what? No, I didn't do any of that. I was like, really? <laughs> he was like, no, yeah, no. I was like, well, how are you doing? He's like, well, I'm up 30%. I was like, really? Wow. So I don't know. I started to make like assumptions on, uh, on what you should do with the business or what people will do. And I, I'm, I'm often wrong. Uh, but by the way, a quick point I want to make uh, yeah. on the lawyer stuff. I, I just saw this like literally today or yesterday. I thought it was a really interesting idea. I have a friend that was looking for an executive assistant, right? Someone to not just be like a virtual assistant, but like someone to make, you know, C level decisions and like go with them on trips and like really be involved in their like multiple facet business. And, uh, someone recommended, uh, you know, a lawyer might be a good, (laughs) good, good position (laughs) for an executive assistant. And his reasoning was, uh, confidentiality, Uh, you know, it's always good to have a lawyer around too. Uh, but like for confidentiality reasons, like they are legally bound to protect your interest, Mm -hmm. right. And to particularly look out for you. So it's not a bad executive (laughs) assistant to have. I think that's interesting. That is
0: interesting. You could go on trips and stuff, you know, hang out, become friends. Every time it's whoa, 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 back away from that. You don't want anything to do with
1: that. And you didn't have
0: to really pay him anything additional other than what you've agreed upon.
1: That's crazy. You're rolling around with your lawyer. You're like, I'll take a trip to (laughs) Hong Kong real quick. Can you just bring your lawyer? Like, wow. Just find a cool
0: lawyer and, you know. Have them come along for the trips. That's all. That'd be that's,
1: cool. It's got to be someone that's super cool. I mean, you have to be pretty <laughs> down, right? Yeah. That'd be funny. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this up, but
0: there there is a couple other questions. Um, what are you finding that like the pricing sweet spot is for like selling a business? Like you know, like in the real estate market, we see like houses that are like five hundred thousand, or you know, some in certain areas they're they're the higher tier, or or maybe close to a million. But then you see like those houses that are between one hundred and fifty to two hundred fifty thousand, they're selling like hotcakes. The other ones are slower in certain. Mark. It's like, is that how it is with these types of businesses too?
1: Yeah. It's tough because like what we see may not account for all of the FBA sellers or buyers that are out there. Like we can, I can just tell you what we've seen. Mm, I'll tell you that, um, that the non sweet spot, would be maybe thirty to eighty thousand, mm-hmm. right? And and like we sell those businesses, and sometimes they sell quickly, even. But sometimes they stay to stick around even longer. And I think the reason is with an FBA business, there's more involved than let's say an Amazon associate deal or an AdSense website or something like that. There's more moving parts to it, right? And so like a to buy a forty thousand dollar FBA business, like uh, the FBA businesses work, and it's only pushing out. You know, fifteen hundred bucks in profit—it's just not that interesting. I'd rather buy an adSense site, Mm. right? Um, So, like eighty thousand or more, and it starts to get a little more interesting. So, eighty thousand to maybe eight hundred thousand—that we see selling pretty regularly—we're pretty new. In the seven-figure space, so I just don't have enough experience to to say. Um, we're closing on our first one now. Hopefully, fingers mm. crossed. But mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe I can come back on in a year and, and sure. we'll have a bunch of figure sales on sale. Yeah, you yeah. But
0: it. but I mean, so you're you're saying, that, and, and I'm I'm imagining why it's like that is because the thirty to eighty are probably just not. They're not big enough, or they're not stable enough, or they only have that yeah. one product, and it's a little bit too much risk. When you get to a hundred and and you know beyond, you're probably talking multiple products, maybe another channel started, uh, maybe a little yep. email list. Is that is that why?
1: Well, that, that helps with the multiple a bit. Um, also, the fact that it's a larger deal uh, helps multiple. But that's not the only reason why. I mean, you could be, I guess, you could have a diversified FBA business at 70000 or $60,000, 50000 The problem is, though, it's just just not enough money. There's just not enough stuff there. And, like, you know, you have to deal with inventory and you have work you have to do mm-hmm. with an FBA business. So, if you're doing all that work on a business that's only spitting out $1,500 a month, let's say, in profit, it's like, I don't really, you know, like, mm-hmm. this just doesn't seem... Just this, I'm just that's not going to get me out of bed, gotcha. right? For a lot of people, for 1500 gotcha. bucks a month, it's like uh, I don't know, and, and definitely the people that have that kind of money to put in, right? So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'd rather look at hundred thousand dollar business now is making four thousand in profit or five thousand a month in profit. Okay, that's interesting to me.
0: And and are you still seeing though? I mean, talking about like the Amazon Associates uh, sites and then uh, AdSense sites, like are those still selling well? Those t- those types of businesses?
1: Oh yeah, okay. yeah, they sell it okay. at, at, at Better multiples than FBA businesses. Quite wow. honestly, interesting. We see we see a lot of those sites in the twenty. Because we do, we'll, we'll go even lower with um, AdSense and, and Amazon Associate uh, sites. So down to twenty thousand to mm-hmm. three hundred thousand or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we see some that are bigger than that, but like that's a pretty common range for AdSense and Amazon affiliate sites.
0: And, and are you seeing too that if if you have, uh, let's say you're getting AdSense money, but you're also getting associates and maybe you get a little couple ClickBank products in there, are they, is that raising the multiple as well than just having like all AdSense or does it really matter?
1: No, not so much. Um, no, not really. I mean, the traffic channels would matter more because mm. uh, the traffic can be kind of the riskier piece. Like okay. if it's all Amazon or AdSense, that's not actually as bad. Um, uh, one thing that's interesting too about that is, if and we do see, we, we do have them where they're they're blended, but I, I wouldn't say it's a big help. And in fact, I, I would probably argue this. Um, okay. If I'm talk I'm talking to a buddy, okay. right? And I'll tell I'll tell my buddy, look, if you have AdSense, Amazon, and some ClickBank products on there, one of those is working out better than the other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they're not. They're, you didn't find this like amazing blend that's perfectly monetized your site. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. In fact. I've seen generally sites that have multiple monetization methods do worse than if they would have picked one and ran with it. Got gotcha. so I, t- I would tell my buddy, I was like, "Look, you might want to test that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might <may laughs> want to switch over to Amazon sites and see if you can uh, just get more with one monetization method."
0: Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I guess my only concern would be again, it's that one channel or uh, like AdSense. Let's let's face it, if they wanted to, you know, stop allowing you to use AdSense, now you got to convert over to a different ad platform, and we don't know that's going to convert the same. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, I, that I think that other- matters.
1: I think that matters more if you're a $700,000 business mm. than if you're a $40,000 gotcha. business. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. like a $40,000 business and you're making some money, you know, $1,500 or $2,000 a month and Am- AdSense or Amazon or whatever, eh, that's fine. Like, it's mm. not that big of a deal. But if you're doing $30,000, $40,000 a month and selling for $700,000, that's just a bigger deal. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what what happened to you that you didn't diversify? Along the way, yeah. like why? Did you, why are you still on AdSense, right? That's the other. <laughs> right. Concept. Like, are you doing that?
0: right, right. No, that that's that makes sense. It's actually something to think about because, uh, again, kind of going into these deals, it's funny talking about a forty thousand or a fifty thousand dollars site. It's kind of kind of cheap. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, years ago, I'd think you're crazy. I'd be like, you know, gosh, man, that's a lot of money to be spending on, on a piece of property or an internet piece of property. But nowadays it's like, that's kind of like the lower end of the spectrum, which is, which is good for us that are building businesses that can get it to a level that we could exit at a, at a, at a really nice, uh, you know, multiple. Um, and I guess that's what I kind of want to wrap up with. Do you think that building, like if someone's really good at building like these little Amazon businesses and they can do it, pretty quickly. They can source it. They got everything down and they can kind of do it, get it to $5,000 net a month within 12 months or even 18 months. Is that a business model in itself, do you think, to then then contact you and go, hey, I want to sell this and then just keep doing that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I know multiple people uh, that last year made mid, both of them, actually two people, uh, two different people uh, that made mid six figures with us, just simply building sites, mm-hmm. building them up for a year and a half, two years, and then selling them with us. Building nice. it or building them up and then selling. So yeah, there's a ton of money to be made, and in fact, a lot of people that are new, that like maybe they're just starting out in FBA or just starting out with you know entrepreneurship at all, and they're like, no, why would anyone sell their profitable site? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's like winning the lottery. Like you lucked out. You got this amazing business. You should keep that and never sell it right and what they miss what they don't understand is that the really valuable skill? They're not selling off the golden goose that they they often think they are. What what you're doing is you're selling the eggs mm-hmm. from that golden goose. Like the golden goose is are your skill sets that you learned and and your ability to kind of like repeat that process over and over again to build a new business and sell that again in two years. So there are people that yeah are are cranking out businesses and selling them every couple of years. Maybe they don't like to scale the businesses to like a much larger deal. They're really good at their process and at delivering on that process and they. They are making really, really good money doing that. So, yeah, there's definitely a, a market. What, one other thing I'll say for for FBA people, and this isn't my interest. Like, it doesn't help me. It, it probably hurts me to say this. Uh, but I actually think that assuming there are no problems with the FBA program overall and no problem with your individual account and everything – that FBA businesses are probably going to be worth more money later. Mm. So um, keeping your FBA business, growing it out, expanding it, and just waiting 12 months or 18 months or 24 months, you're likely to get a higher multiple. And my reason for saying that is because they lag normal online businesses. Your average online business right now sells for a higher multiple than an FBA business. And I think that's going to change. It's going to change because Amazon has been more strict. On their program, so mm-hmm. it means that better businesses are going to survive. It also means that the industry is the With the industry is growing, there's you know more buyers, there's more interest. I think valuations are going to go up as people have more access to capital to buy these businesses. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities. So I think they're going to be worth more later. Now, uh, wh- why would anyone sell their business right now? Well. If by selling this business, that gives you the capital to work on the other business that you're growing that's like really taking off. Mm -hmm. So by selling your 60,000 FBA business to focus on the $300,000 FBA business you have right now, maybe that cash uh, investment in terms of inventory will help you expand that business. Uh, That might be the better move. So if you can put that capital to better use now, that's a reason to sell. Um, if you can't, or you don't have an idea for what you want to do, you may want to hold on to your FBA business, keep growing it out and sell in 12 months, 18 months, something like that
0: cool yeah that that makes a lot of sense and uh I, I agree with you I think if you have the skill set or even if you have the skill set to take something that's kind of been let go and even scoop it up from from your marketplace and then build on that for 12 months and then come back and then resell it for a higher multiple that's even another strategy but I think there's a ton of opportunity and I, that's why I always tell people it's like you know whether your business you know is a huge hit out of the you know out of the gate or if you just learn through that process but you built it to something you learned along that way and now you've got a skill set that you can take with you anywhere you want to go and and building out these it's just just like again like like niche sites i mean again people are still doing that even though you know gosh what three years ago now probably more you know people are saying uh, it's dead you can't do it anymore Adsense
1: is dead amazon yep. affiliates is dead yeah everything's dead scott i love it's <laughs> so funny like recently people were saying drops how drop shipping is dead and yep. i was like yep. i don't know man we sold a bunch of drop shipping businesses last year they're still doing <laughs> fine That's so awesome. everyone you know everyone i think they get this fatigue of hearing about it So, I think right now there's like a fatigue of hearing about FBA, and they're like, oh, it's so saturated. Hell no, Scott. Yeah, like yeah. there's so much more. Unless something drastic happens, where Amazon cancels the program or well, like yeah. cuts eighty percent, that would be obviously bad. But uh, just letting account, not accounting for any like major catastrophes like that. No way. No way. Not even close to being saturated. Yeah. No. Nope. I, I, b- lots of people are gonna make a lot of money over the next three, five, ten, fifteen years. Yeah. No. I agree.
0: I agree. This has been awesome. Is there any last tips you'd like to give someone that is either buying or selling? Uh, you know, their, their website or just an FBA business in general.
1: Yeah, we, um, well, we have a podcast. Uh, I, we have our own podcast called the empire flippers podcast. We talk about, you know, our business and uh, location independence and building a team and all that. It's fun. But if you're interested particularly in buying and selling, uh, there's another podcast I do with a guy called Ace Chapman, who's another broker. He's kind of on the buy side, whereas I represent the sell side and, uh, it's called the web equity show. And season two, we actually focused on uh, like walking a buyer uh, through the entire process, start to finish. So from like defining the terms to like doing the hardcore negotiations and what to do after you buy the business. So that's season two of Web Equity Show. Okay. Season three, which we just recently started, uh, will be walking you through from a brand new seller all the way through the sales process. So I I definitely, that's like a great like piece of content to send people to if they're new.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll do that for sure. We'll link everything up in the show notes. And uh, I know you're going to put together some resources for our listeners uh, about either buying or selling. um, And the link to that will just be the seller.com forward slash flip. We can make it really super simple, and then we'll link up to that stuff. And I know, uh, Justin, you had said you're going to give me some resources. We'll link all that up. And if anyone wants to reach out to Justin and uh, and just really go through that that process or how to get started, he can direct you in the right way. And uh, yeah, I know I'm going to be – I always am. I'm always frequenting the marketplace. I'm always there. Uh, I've already put a few deposits down on a few just to kind of see if it was going to be in my wheelhouse. And you know. They haven't been yet, but uh, very, very close uh, on, on one. Actually, one I was really interested in, and before I could even do it, it got sold. So it was
1: like, yeah. it was like, there's done. I was like, all right, there, made up my own mind.
0: I, I guess I'm done. I couldn't sit that long, but
1: it just, I don't easy know. Easy decisions. I like easy decisions, right? It's like, oh, it's sold. Okay, well, I'm out. I'm, out. <laughs> I'm
0: done. I'm done. Uh, but anyway, man, I, w- I want to just say thank you so much. Like I said, I've been a long time listener of you guys and, uh, and uh, you know, you guys do definitely deliver the value. And uh, I just love that now uh, Amazon FBA businesses are starting to really be available on your marketplace. And I love hearing that you're saying that they're not going anywhere. And if anything are going to get more valuable to sell in the future, which is pretty cool as well. So Justin, I just want to say thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll link everything up and uh, have an awesome day, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, buddy.
0: Okay. So I wasn't kidding, right? I mean, that conversation went on longer than I had thought. I usually allow 30 to 45 minutes for an interview, but we just kept rolling, uh, because we were just talking right about this stuff, so hopefully you guys got a ton of value, also not just from whether you can buy a website or a business or sell it or any of that stuff, but listening to Justin's story, I think is huge to hear how you start somewhere, you start to go through a process, you learn along the way, and then you might have to pivot a little bit, and then you start going in another direction, slightly pivot again, like... We all do this, and you have to expect that that's what's going to happen. You don't have to plan for it right now because you're just going to kind of go on that road, right? You're going to start learning, but it's really, really important to understand that. I always like to highlight that because I think it's, a, it's really a major part of this process as far as how to be successful and knowing that you will have these changes, and it's okay, uh, but let's get back to the topic at hand a ton of value there, I mean, a lot of things, I mean, I learned a ton just from talking to Justin and really picking his brain, and I hope you can see or hear some of those uh, different topics that I was kind of drilling down into, it's because that's things that I'm, that that I'm thinking of right now, they're like top of mind for me, like I'm interested in this, whether it's for a brand that I'm working with or if it's one that I want to buy in the future and then scale it and then build it bigger and then maybe exit again, like there's a ton of different ways that we can do this and if you're at all interested, I would definitely say check out the resources that Justin has provided for us, doesn't cost you anything to go over there and check that stuff out, again, the link will be theamazingseller.com forward slash flip. F- L I P, flip. And uh, just head over there, check out the resources. If you're a buyer, you'll see a section there for buyers. If you're a seller, you'll see a section there for sellers. And just reach out to them and they will help you along the way and let you know. Maybe in your business right now, maybe you're not ready yet. Maybe they're going to say, let it mature a little bit longer. Or you have to get these things in, you know, all these ducks in a row over here because uh, they're going to need that when we do the projections and like all of these different things you're going to want to have done uh, through this process, so definitely check that out. The show notes, again, theamazingseller.com forward slash 329, it'll have that link there too, but it'll also have the transcripts, which this one's probably a really good one to download the transcripts. And it will have the show notes as far as the links and everything that we talked about inside of this episode. So guys, I'm going to let you go. I know this was a longer uh, episode, but I hope that you see the value that was created here and that was provided for you to educate you through this process or just to keep it in the back of your mind that when the time comes, guess what? You're prepared. All right. So guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you.